Welcome in to another episode of Turn the Corner, a Detroit Tigers podcast. I'm Kieran Steckley. With me, as always, is a man who is more mad love than bad blood. He is Cody Stavenhagen. How you doing? Hey, doing all right, Kieran. How are you? I'm a little tired. Yeah, I think we both had kind of long weekends. I was uh, helping out with a wedding uh basically all weekend and then you know obviously i think this is where we need to start the podcast let's, let's be, be positive let's be positive today right now for as long as we can and then we'll kind of get into some nitty-gritty stuff you, you saw your girl in concert at ford field last night uh by the way kind of cruel that the tigers game the next day would be like roughly an hour and a half earlier start after that for, for, for your boy over there but regardless it's a cruel summer <laughs> I like that. Regardless, how was it, man? Tell us about the concert. People want to know. Yeah, yeah. Awesome show. Definitely the busiest I've ever seen downtown Detroit. If you were uh, in the area at all, you've experienced some of that. And navigating the crowds and the foot traffic and the teen girls and like crazy colors and stuff is not fun until you're actually at the show. But I have to say it was an incredible performance. Best concert I've ever been to, I think, hands down. And I feel like I've been to some good ones. Um, You know, seen Taylor before, Reputation. Seen some of my other favorite artists, you know, country artists and more intimate venues too. So a very different type show. But, you know, this was the most engaged I've ever seen an entire arena, whether it's a sporting event, a concert or anything. The production value was great. And it was just three hours of bangers, man. It was awesome. In three hours. I mean, that is, that's a lot. It's a, it's a long show. A, Springsteen-esque. Yeah. And, you know, she's probably the most, she's probably top 10 most famous person in the world right now, I would say. Probably, probably so, most yeah. famous artist in the world right now, probably. I mean, she has taken over. Uh, it's fascinating. I mean, that, that's something I was trying to keep in mind. Like, I always am kind of fascinated when you see footage of old, like, or it's Woodstock or just like, you know, the, the Rolling Stones or like, the, you know, the Beatles first U.S. tour. And it's just like, what was this like? What was it there? What was it like to be there for a landmark moment in music history? And the era's tour, man, I think people are going to be talking about it in the music world for a long time. Yeah, broke Ticketmaster, uh, number one. It did, did break Ticketmaster, literally going to change ticket policies. Yeah, I mean, that's impact. And... Not to mention the fact that, you know, we were talking about this in part, obviously, you know, favorite artist, but a Turn the Corner listener is the one that, you know... Uh, That's true. Shout out Jason big time. We uh, Jason wasn't there. I still owe Jason a beer. I, we actually toasted to you. Oh, uh, <laughs> that's great. Yeah, before the show, so shout out again, Jason. Um, uh, anyway, you guys don't have to stop listening, those who <laughs> aren't here for the Taylor Swift takes. We're just trying to start this off with some positivity because... It's going downhill from here, let me tell you. Okay, so we can kind of thread the needle here a little bit with a little positivity, but also, like, talk about the real stuff. Because Sunday's game was at least fun. Like, I know the end result sucked, and it was, like, draining uh, there when Foley was just getting knacked uh, over there in the ninth. But Yeah, it was... if, if the Tigers had not lost eight in a row, I'd been like, oh, that was a really good competitive baseball game. Yeah. Unfortunately, in the larger context, it was like, oh my god, they finally play well, and then they blew it in epic fashion. Yeah, so it, you, you put this out on Twitter, and I had you know, been thinking about it like earlier, but it, I, always, I always do get a lot of, uh, 
don't know if it's joy, but I I really like it when I see AJ Hinch manage manage a game like it's like it's the postseason, like or like it's a one game playoff or whatever. Like we are getting this win. Alex Lane is coming in the seventh, you know, and and you're and used uh, seven pitchers today, all in an effort, which I guess is kind of misleading because they you know they did. The opener thing, but still seven pitches, seven pitches. Well, and we didn't know that was happening until like a couple hours before the game. Like AJ, I think just woke up and he was like, "No, we're using an opener. Like anything to you know, (laughs) yeah, like get fully to face the top of the order one last time. We're gonna do it." I thought it was one of his best managed games all year. I mean, I think he. I'm not sure the Tigers are even in position to win that game if he doesn't bring Lang in. If he doesn't, he forced the Diamondbacks' hand a couple times, made them use their bench. Uh, got him some favorable matchups in a big spot in the eighth. Tyler Holton was facing Paven Smith and what to that point had been the biggest of bat of the game. It was a great, uh, great matchup to lefty. He ended up walking him and then striking out the righty Nick Ahmed. So it didn't perfectly unfold, but like the Diamondbacks hands were tied by the end of that game. They had already pretty much unloaded their bench. They had no other outfield options and it worked out where you use Lang, but you still had Foley who's been dynamite in the ninth and then just didn't work out that way. And then, you know, Kerry Carpenter, a guy who has come back, carried the lineup the whole series, seven hits in the series, but not a good defensive outfielder, and he bobbles the ball, and that's all she wrote. Yeah, you know, it, on that note. But but for, uh, yeah, I mean, we talk about this game forever. I I try not to do this very often by listening to 97-1 on the way home just to, like, see, you know, and, of course, it was just, like, Everyone's blaming Scott Harris or AJ Hinch or Javi Baez. And, you know, there was some Hinch criticism. And, you know, I would push back on that again. I think it was a very well-managed game. Uh, I actually spent a lot of time around the Diamondbacks this weekend uh, reporting a kind of a national Diamondbacks story. So that was nice to be around, like, a positive environment for a little bit. Um, But I asked Tori Lavolo, like, after the game, you know, the Tigers deployed their bullpen pretty aggressively, uh, made you use your bench a little bit. How do you feel like that affected the game? And, you know, he just kind of laughed. He's like, when AJ put in Lang, you know, I knew he was all in. I knew this, we were going to have to grapple to get back in the game. Um, And so I think that's the perspective you want right there. Like, AJ put pressure on the opposing team, made them feel it, like, put them in a bad spot. The opposing manager was clearly like, Oh shit, you know, um, Dimebacks man, pretty good club came back up on the game. Yeah, and got a lot of the right kind of players. You know, it's a, I mean, I'm look forward to reading that because obviously I'm not watching a whole lot of Arizona games, but it's a fun team to watch. Uh, and got to see our old friend uh, Andrew Chafin uh, in there Andrew. with with a quick hook. <laughs> Quick hook that yeah he struggled man yeah. it was it was rare to see Chafin struggle like that mm-hmm. and you know again like just in terms of like the vibe of the game you lead off uh, the ninth after just devastating top half Andy Abanez pinch if you want to talk about pressing the right buttons you know uh, for AJ Andy Abanez is able to get a triple there uh, side note you can always tell when someone's not used to running more than 180 feet consecutively. Because once you start rounding second, the the form breaks down, uh, and he struggled there a little bit. But well, we got that and Miguel Cabrera scoring from first in the same game. I was driving back from the wedding, and I thought Dan misspoke. So I was listening on the radio, <laughs> and I was like, "No, he didn't. Like, where was his ball? Like, where did it go? You know?" Uh, so yeah, it was kind of a, you know, I don't know. 
crazy interesting game. But of course, it ended just like the previous eight had ended, and seemingly the entire month of June had gone. So I don't know. I think this is here. Here's my take on this. I think the Tigers are essentially just having to take their medicine right now, and this is more of a Scott Harris thing. And I and I'm not trying to sound like a radio talking head and like make it like a criticism. For me, it's this is what this is the reality of the situation. This is where you put yourself. So you decided to kind of bank this first year, which again, it's year one of a new general manager, president of baseball ops regime, right? So everyone's got to keep that in mind. You're not solving anything in an offseason. You basically tried to play as much competitive baseball as possible with unproven hitters that you acquired, unproven major league hitters, a makeshift bullpen, which was sketch and then awesome and now is kind of looking overtaxed and like a reworked like coaching slash athletic training infrastructure which unfairly i'm acknowledging this unfairly is not netting results here we are in early june so that's all we can do is just judge these results it's not like they're i guess their approach is better but the end results aren't that much better and the injuries have piled up. Obviously, stress reactions aren't the result of athletic training staff. I understand that. But it's just it's just piled on and piled on. Here's something. In spirit of you going to see Taylor Swift, I went to my favorite Taylor Swift album, which I think you and your girlfriend said that made me very basic that I chose this one. I'm okay with that. 1989. And I was like, you know, that's my, that's my, I wonder... That's my favorite. Uh, I got judged for it. I'm just saying. I felt judged in the moment. I, I you uh, did not get that judgment from me. Okay, okay. Well, we'll let the record correct itself. No, it's because I said what my favorite song was, not the album. That was that was that was why. Anywho, did you say "Shake It Off"? No, 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 not "Shake It Off." No, it wasn't "Shake okay. It Off." Uh, no, I actually don't really like "Shake It Off" that much. Anyway, no way. But to to land the plane plane here, <laughs> 1989 had five hits on it that were number one at one point in time in terms of radio airplay. So they weren't Billboard Top 100, but radio airplay. Three times this week, Cody, the Tigers had less than five hits. So there's there's, there's your problem. You're not hitting the ball. You're, you're, pitch, you're starting pitching the suspect, generally, and injured, and your bullpen is overtaxed. And you're not really going to do anything to fix any of those things in intermediate. You're just kind of, there's not really any solution here. People keep calling for a solution, keep calling out Scott Harris to do something. There's, I'm not really sure what, what moves are to be made on this chessboard right now. I think, like, like I said to begin this, you just got to take your medicine right now. Because this is exactly the situation that you created for yourself when Fortune kind of frowned on you a little bit this is exactly what was going to happen everyone could have known it right so yeah i i, I just feel no, like there's I, not, I no was, solution here i've been thinking about that a lot since we talked about it last week and you know we say we try not to ride the roller coaster we probably have a little more this season probably just because this season has been a roller coaster by its very nature um and so a couple of weeks ago, I was like, oh, setting up for a fun summer. And now it's like, oh, season might be over. Um, and we talked, like, what can Scott Harris do? And I was like, I don't know. You got to do something. And the more I've thought about it, 
Man, I think you're right. I mean, talked about the waiver wire. Okay, like, well, he did that. Like, Nick Solak is not going to be your answer here. What do you have in the minors? You know, there's some people who probably wanted to see Parker Meadows called up for these couple of days before Veerling is activated. And, like, I probably would have liked that just because it would give, him a, give us more to write about and talk about. But performance-wise, like, to, does that really feel like a solution? I don't think so. Um... I've talked about Malloy, like he's struggling now in AAA. He can't hit lefties in AAA. He can't play defense. He's not your solution. Colt Keith, I've heard the stuff I talked about last week about accelerating his timeline. Tigers have already kind of reconsidered a little bit. I don't know their full reasoning there. Uh, we'll see what happens. We'll keep an eye on Colt Keith. He's raking. Seems like he's proved all he can in Erie, but Colt Keith is not going to come up. He's not going to skip AAA. All right, and even if he does, he's not going to be a magic bullet solution to this team's woes. I think he's part of the long-term solution. But yeah, you kind of take stock of things, and it's like, I I don't know what you do. I don't I don't know that there is a great answer here. A little bit of it is you're paying consequences for not doing more this offseason. Most of it is you're still paying for seven years of the Alavila era in which you did not develop uh, enough homegrown talent in which you signed Javi Baez and this is what you got and it's not going to fix itself instantly no and again if there were just moves to be made to be made that that really like maybe that appeases people because it makes it seem active but at the same time you know like Kerry Carver comes back you mentioned the misplay there the next next ball gets hit to him you notice how slow he uh fielded that ball (laughs) Like, he was never going to throw out that guy at home anyway, but yeah. he, he, he slow played that. He's like, I'm not missing this one. or But yeah. even though it's on exchange, but whatever. Uh, he, at least he was raking, like, yeah. as you said. Well, I, guess, I guess, like, the apt comparison is, I don't know if we're going off our, you know, not that we really have a script, but, like, the Arizona Diamondbacks lost 110 games two years ago. The Tigers two years ago, we thought we were on the upswing, you know, and we were wrong there. The Diamondbacks were terrible, terrible, and now they're in first place in the NL West. And it's like, okay, what did they get right that the Tigers didn't? And I think it comes back down to the foundation of the organization. Uh, although the Tigers at the time, their farm system was probably ranked in the same range as, the, as that of the Diamondbacks. But the Diamondbacks have had some veteran talent. They've had some top-end pitchers. Um, and the biggest thing is they've had young players who have come to the majors and had success right away. Corbin Carroll's the mega prospect, but they've got it done some other ways. Uh, uh, Perdomo, the shortstop, you know, guys like Emmanuel Rivera, who is an unheralded guy who's having a good season. They did make an aggressive trade this offseason, kind of traded strength for strength when they sent Varsho to the Blue Jays and got uh, Gabriel Moreno and Lourdes Guriel. So you got two hitters for the price one. So a good trade, a couple underdeveloped, a couple couple unheralded players, and then the guys that were supposed to hit, hit. The Tigers have not had their guys who were supposed to hit, hit, really. Um, trades, yeah, we, we know how that goes around here. And then you really have not uncovered any under-the-radar guys, whether in like Tarek Skubal, who got hurt. There, there's your difference. Yeah, and some of this is misfortune, obviously, with the injuries, but some of this is misfortune. I mean, because I would argue that Al, which, by the way, did you watch his... his yeah, yeah, I did. Yeah. I, 
I I didn't watch it. I was like, what do I want to hear from him? Like, I don't know. Maybe I should have just to be like. It was kind of the same stuff he's <laughs> yeah. always been saying. Well, some trades were good and others were less fortunate, but we we did get Alex Lang. <laughs> <laughs> Like, all right. I can't believe you agreed. I mean, you're not. Yeah. Okay. What was, the, all right, what was in it for him? But anyway, because right, I doubt he's going to be a TV analyst anytime soon. Uh, probably not in Detroit, at least. Uh, <laughs> uh, speaking of analysts, though, nice to hear Jim Price back. I don't know what was going on with him, but you know, if he's at the ballpark, things must be doing a little bit better. So shout out Jim Price. But the, the Avila era was defined by misfortune that was partially a byproduct of your own decision making. And in the very, 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 very beginning of the Scott Harris era, and what we're experiencing right now is partially the Avila stuff, but also, like, the misfortune of uh, and the byproduct of the decisions that you make. Now, that doesn't mean long-term they weren't the right decisions, right? We're only talking about right now because that's all we can do. Uh, but he's probably not getting stopped on the street for good reasons right now. That's, that's, that's just, that's probably what I would say. And people are, this is why these jobs can be thankless. Sometimes people are asking him to do things that he just really shouldn't do. Like anything that they would probably yeah. want, he shouldn't do. And this team just feels off. It just feels off to me right now in terms of like, is this, this prospect talent you thought was ready. Now they're not ready. And you're got guys dropping like flies, but do with a, what was it? Quad quad strain. Yeah. Uh, and that, that is the one thing Like he talked to this off season. We're going to your mark, your market bats for young players. And that's not happening probably largely because the guys like Meadows and Lipschitz haven't produced like you would hope in AAA. But instead of earmarking a bats for them, you're earmarking a bats for Andy Abanez and Tyler Nevin and Jake Marisnik. And I get why that would be frustrating to people. But in terms of sheer performance, like I'm not sure it's there's much of a difference between those two options right now. Does one set you up better for the future? I don't know, maybe. Or maybe you just burn a little extra service time for players who aren't quite ready to be in the major leagues. That's also not a great option. Well, okay, so obviously there's a point in which you can kind of point to this trend that we're seeing, this losing trend scene, and that's the Riley Green injury, more or less. And... It's wild to me because it shouldn't be that stark, right? It just shouldn't. Like, it's it's one guy no. in the lineup. Now, he, we know what he was doing in May. But it shouldn't be – it should not be this much of a difference. But it just kind of is, and I don't know why that is. Uh, you talked to him. He was available to the media for the first time. Uh, you know, a little update on Riley. How is he feeling? What's – uh. Like what? What do we even know anymore at this point? Probably not. But like, what? 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 what what's? What's? What's the vibes with Riley right now? Since uh, you know, he's got to sit on the sidelines and watch or listen, as we found out on Twitter and in the story, to the Tigers just just not able to play functional baseball at times without him. Yeah, I mean, given the circumstances, he was in good spirits. He was himself. Uh, I'm sure it's difficult for him. Um. Not really a whole lot to report other than, hey, he was he was there. He got blacked out uh, on the MLB app, so he was having to listen to Dan Dickerson on the radio. Yeah, no real update on like his timeline or the prognosis. He didn't have a lot to say. He said he thinks it's getting better every day. I would still guess this is, you know, we're several more weeks away from him returning to the major league level. 
you know, I wrote a story about it if you want to read more of what he had to say, but I don't know that there was really a ton newsworthy. I, I kind of wrote about it, though, to just to, to capture his importance to the team and everything. Like, here he is, he steps back in there, um, but he can't be with his teammates on the field, and it does seem, I, I think it hints at the fact, like, how big a part of the emotional core he was and, and is to the club. And, you know, we've talked about the chemistry and the spirits and, like, the those things still seem good, right? I don't think it was like emotionally deflating right away, but maybe that it did carry over to the field a little bit. I it's one of those things that's hard to explain, but it sounds like these guys lost Riley and Eduardo, and even though that didn't mean they were going around this clubhouse, you know, sulking and pouting, um, it, it it must have affected something in the club's psyche because man, it's it's been rough since. Well, there's a couple of things there. Like, I would argue that it probably should affect your psyche, like, a little bit. Yeah. In the sense that, like, he's not coming up and not even just, like, seeing him on the lineup card or whatever. But, like, when it's two or three in the lineup and it's coming up and it's a key spot, he's not there. Every fifth day, Eduardo, he's not there, you know, on the mound. And You know who's been up in some pretty key spots? Spencer Torkelson. Home dog hasn't really come through, you know. That's just kind of the reality. I still have so many mixed thoughts on Spencer Torkelson that I don't even think I could like concisely give them because he, <laughs> like, every single time that he, like, I start thinking, all right, now, now we're looking at first baseman options, and then he'll he'll like smoke a double, you know, like that next <laughs> at bat, like he like like he did today, and you know he drew a walk or whatever, but it. Key spots, you're right, he has not delivered. But at the same time, you have to let him go through this. You have to let these guys go through this for the long-term viability of the club or knowing you're going to have to move on. So that's what I mean. The theme of this podcast, take your medicine. You know, And I don't know how – I don't know how AJ uh, – we're going to have another bullpen day uh, on Monday – like, yeah, I don't know who who's supposed to pitch Monday. We'll see how that goes. Like, I don't know if they have a rod. I think you almost got to bring up someone from Toledo because otherwise it's like, all right, we're going to roll out Tyler Alexander and Garrett Hill and um, hope that the Braves don't put up 20. Like, I don't know. And this was a game that I think – this is a game, and honestly the Philly game at the end of the series too. Like, this is a game that you kind of felt like God, it would make you feel so much better to at least not get swept here. To at least, and I think that's why AJ managed as aggressively as he did. And to those who want to criticize AJ, yeah, the the Tigers on Monday are going to have to pay the price for how hard they sold out to win Sunday's game, and ultimately did not win it. But he managed that game to win. Cause I think he senses what we're all sensing: like the season's on thin ice, the fans are are real frustrated. Imagine how he feels in the dugout and how the players in the dugout feel. They want to win. And so he was trying to get a win, you know, to, to yeah. one strike the away. psyche thing. Like, let's let's get the win, you know. S- start anew after we win one game, you know. Building a winning streak starts with one and one. Tried. Yeah. You know, didn't, didn't happen. And, yeah, one strike away, I thought uh, I thought there was a – just watching it on Peacock, I thought there was a decent amount of energy from the crowd given the size of it. You know, it was like, you know, games on the line. It was a, it was a, it was an exciting game, like we said. But – all right, well, let's get a little bit more positive. 
for a couple minutes here. Uh, I thought Joey Wentz looked about as good as he had looked in about three weeks. It was a reminder of what Joey Wentz can be, you know, when he has a little bit of arm side command or, or when his stuff's cutting a little bit. You know, this is the guy we saw toward the tail end of last season, guy who's pretty impressive in spring training. It's in there. But I don't really know how he was before his Tommy John surgery. I didn't, I didn't really see him in person. Um, I know after Tommy John, it took him a long time to get his command back. And this year, his command's been pretty shaky. Like, it's all about command with him. And when it's there, man, he's pretty good. So good to see that a reminder, like, that's still in there. You know, what exactly unlocked it? Um, I'm not sure. I don't have the answer to that. But it was a step forward. And when he goes, you know, when he comes in in the second inning and goes walk homer, you're thinking, oh, my God. Like, he, like they just can't keep running him out there anymore. Um but then he goes on to retire 12 straight, gets to leave on somewhat of a positive note, given how this season has gone for him so far. You, you chalk that up as a, a, a minor victory. Is there, is it just a mind thing that AJ would do to like bring in Wentz to essentially be the starting pitcher, but obviously like after an opener, is it just like trying to just get him in a different like routine mindset? Like, yeah, I think it's part mindset, part actual strategy. The biggest thing is doing it to give him a different look is kind of the way AJ's phrased it. And then the strategic element is, okay, that's one last time he has to face the top of the order or he's not coming out the gate facing the top of the order. Maybe, you know, you face more the middle, bottom of the order. It gives you gives you a little bit of an easier chance to get off to a good start, even though that's actually not what happened in Sunday's game. I did, that was kind of the thought behind it. Like, maybe if he can have a good second inning, it sets the tone, and he can pitch three strong. And uh, Rather than, all right, here you go, boom, you're facing Corbin Carroll. Now you're in trouble. That that was, I think, the genesis behind why AJ did that. I mean, I admire him for it. Trying to figure out something. It's in this. Guys, try man. Imagine what this guy could do with some talent, you know? Yeah. And I mean, we'll we'll get to uh, your mailbag here in a second. Obviously, um, hey, actually, just a personal question for you, Cody, real quick, uh, as we reach the midpoint of this podcast. Uh, do you sometimes dream about a day where you'll do a mailbag, and a payroll question is not submitted? Do you dream? Do you dream? Uh, no, because that'll probably never happen. I mean, almost every team's fans want them to spend more. And then the New York Mets spent plenty and, uh, they're still trying to fire everybody. So no, that's how these things go. All right. Okay. So something that I don't want to, you know, want to touch on. It's not really going to take up too much of our time today, Cody, but we're going to, there is some good injury news. It looks like Matt Beerling will be back. Uh, he probably could have played the day, I guess, just in terms of health, but it gave him a little, little off day um, after a couple rehab stints, and so yeah, I guess he'll be back because I mean his injury was kind of the one that kind of started this snowball. I think. I mean, they all kind of run together, but I think that was on. <laughs> yeah, yeah, almost like overshadowed <laughs> by Riley Green and Eduardo. You also lost Matt Veerling, although he wasn't as big of a contributor as those two. He was a regular and was, yeah, he wasn't doing great, but he was doing some positive things, playing good defense. Um, it was one more hole you had to fill for sure. 
So sounds like he's going to be back in the big leagues early next week, probably Monday or Tuesday. So there's one guy back, you know. Now if you can get <laughs> Riley and Eduardo and Matt Manning and Tarek Skubal, you know, maybe by the end of the year, if everyone else doesn't get hurt, you, you'll have a halfway yeah, decent baseball roster. Team. I was actually, you know, the best thing about Veerling coming back would be you don't have to put McKinstry in right field anymore. Like, and it's nothing, and it's not yeah. like I think he's a bad outfielder or anything. I just, it's just like a reminder every time I see him out there that like, so you have to put your your starting right. second baseman yeah. in it's, right. It's clearly yeah. not ideal. He doesn't have yeah. a right field arm, you know, but you also can't, neither does Kerry Carpenter, especially post shoulder injury. Uh, well, Kerry Carpenter threw a that, guy out the plate, fair. baby. You know why he threw out a guy at the plate? Because he doesn't have a good arm, and it was an aggressive sin from the Diamondbacks thinking they could test his arm. They lost that test, but, like, if they respected his arm a little bit, that runner would be held at third. <laughs> yeah, so. for, for the record. And, the, you know, the Badoo one is as a... Uh, I mean, you want to talk about the emotional aspects of the game? Yeah, that one kind of hurts you, man. He had been especially with these other guys out like your lone spark he had started playing pretty well he was back in a little slide there but uh akil was doing positive things for you man one of very few energy one of very few guys on this team who brings some juice and he's out with the muscle he's a speed guy quad strain who knows how long that can be one of those things that can linger a little bit yeah and you know like the worst type of short-term injury a guy like him could have right so, feel for AJ. Feel for him having to kind of juggle all these things. Uh, also, <laughs> I guess shout out Cody Clemens uh, for uh, for a walk off hit there. Uh, you know, good for good for him. Good for him. I was you know I had some people over. Funny how baseball works. <laughs> yeah. What are the odds? You know, of all the people to step to the plate. I was like, yeah, you know, it'd be something if you got a hit here. I I told that to my <laughs> wife and some friends. And I was like, oh, there you go. And even today's today's game, wife takes a nap when they're up by two runs and wakes up an hour after the game and, <laughs> and lost by two runs. Well, at least she got to sleep through the misery, you know. <laughs> uh, but, yeah, the, the Badu thing sucks. Uh, this was a great opportunity for him, obviously, and just another aspect of building this current Tigers team that gets taken away. And – Let's give Kerry Carpenter some credit. Well, I'll just do it right now. We don't have to wait till the end. I'm, I'm going to make him HKG guy number one this week. Obviously, he wasn't acquired by Scott Harris. However, he did make the team over Badu at to, to begin the season. Yeah. And he raked, what was he, 8 of 12, you know, yeah. this week. Really good series of play. And Really, in his little time in the major leagues, all he's really done is hit eventually you just got to figure out maybe this guy is a hitter you know maybe we, like us like maybe we should just be like yeah. maybe yeah maybe he's, he's just done nothing to prove otherwise maybe he's know? just a major league hitter he's had a lot more success in a short sample at the big league level than spencer torkelson has in more than a full season's worth of bats. at this time last year were we thinking he'd ever have bat third you know like <laughs> Yeah, uh, given some of the orders we've seen over the past couple years, like I wouldn't rule anything out, but <laughs> <laughs> that is fair. Uh, all right, well, let's kind of move on to some more uh, some more fun topics of the day. Uh, I wanted to get a little draft talk in. I'm not all in on draft stuff yet, 
obviously we're it's coming coming, coming quick. quick. We're Getting just about fast. a month away. We'll yeah. depending on the tiger schedule, we'll we'll determine whether we do like two or just kind of rope it into one in terms of our instant reactions to who they pick at number three. Although we it, depending on the guy, we might have to do one. I'll I'll share that for a second. Uh, I'm wondering, Cody, because we know the top three names. We we know the top three names. Everyone, like, there's not a mock draft on the planet unless you're trying to be cute that doesn't have the two LSU guys in Langford going one, two, three, or in some order, right? And there's a lot of pub about these high school outfielders, and I'm kind of curious, like, like, I really want to know what Scott thinks about this, and obviously we'll know by what he I does. Know. But yeah. but the way they talk about there's like five guys that you read that would be a number one pick in like a different draft, right? And yeah. that includes some high school outfielders. And they missed out on being able to take some of those guys last year based on just draft position. This year, I don't know. I really like Langford, but I could fall for the upside thing. I could fall for the upside thing. I like generally speaking, how do you feel about like go passing over someone who's maybe more established like a sec bat with a high school kid that is you know just as hyped a prospect obviously you're not reaching in anybody's like actual minds but uh just the high school versus college thing for for bats man like we talk about it with pitchers but we haven't really had to talk about it with bats specifically when they're of the same position i'm kind of getting intrigued i'm falling for it as of now i'm falling for yeah it. it's it's interesting i think Let's go back to 2019. It was the first draft I covered as Tigers beat writer. Um, didn't have as many, wasn't as plugged in to like the scouting world or, or a couple good sources who can like give me pretty pretty spot on like evaluations of players. Haven't seen them. Just off, kind of my own gut. Not having really definitely. I had not seen Riley Green play at all. I was like, uh, should be nice if JJ Blade fell to the Tigers. You know. Vanderbilt guy, college bat, there was a chance he could have fallen, and turns out, from what I've been told since, Tigers were going to take Riley Green no matter what, and that was probably the right decision, but I was like, I don't know, high school kid, who knows, like, let's take the bat, this guy probably has a quicker path to the big leagues, that ended up not really being true either, so it's kind of a reminder, like, that, like that's your comparison, the Tigers in that draft Went for the high upside high school bat at number five, and it was the right pick. Maybe Corbin Carroll would have been the right pick. He went 16 overall, but <laughs> Riley Green's great. Riley Green is a, is is a was a very good draft pick. Um, I think the thing with this draft, just any fan I think who is going to be upset on draft night should not be. But I think if the Tigers get any of these five guys, the high school players being uh, Walker Jenkins and Max Clark. You're getting a pretty a pretty good prospect. I too am very curious to know whom the Tigers like more. It seems like the new regime, like they do in most aspects, keeps us all a little more quiet. Really, have not heard a lot of draft intel. Um, I've heard from one person that they're not very big on Max Clark, but I'd like to kind of you know confirm that with others before I, we start treating that as gospel. Um, so here we are, yeah, which is better. Here, here's one stat from Harris Frommer on Twitter. This is 2004 to 2018. The top two high school hitters in each draft combined for 285 wins above replacement. 
The top two college bats in each of those drafts combined for 375 wins above replacement. So that stat would indicate that, generally speaking, the top college bats are a better take than the top high school bats. But it's not to say that's correct 100% of the time. Well, you know, if I... This is what it, you know. When I talk on this podcast, a lot this is like a straight reflection of like what my brain does. So that's why it kind of goes back and forth. So now I'm thinking like, can you, can you afford? Because in theory, like in theory, although we're going toward a path right now, in theory, you're not trying to pick this high, uh, for a while, you know, <laughs> hopefully. hopefully, and like. You you have these high salary players. You're gonna have enough payroll freedom, ideally, hopefully, I guess, to go out and acquire some players. Although that was something in your mailbag that we'll get to in a second in the off season. Do you want to make a play for 2026? You know, with 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 a prep guy, a guy that you're just not by the general nature not gonna have as much information about and it's like i said a couple weeks ago don't not take the room here take the sec outfielder who is regarded as an, another he's right-handed too i believe right uh so if, if that matter I think I if that so. matters to you like typically like i understand yeah he's right-handed uh if that matters to you in terms of constructions obviously you take him three overall you imagine him being one of your one of your cornerstones or an everyday starter and all that stuff. So if that matters to you for lions uh, balance in your lineup, then cool. But I, I just feel like it's going to be very interesting because we've seen Scott kind of slow play stuff and the slow play move would be to maybe take a prep outfielder that you like just a little bit more, even the same in that ability to mold a young player tips the scales in his favor. But uh, is AJ going to want to have be like, Hey man, I need some help. I need some help here. Like I, my career is suffering having to go through all this because like, we just don't have the talent. I need maybe help a little bit sooner. Uh, by the way, I, do you have anything on Jace? We haven't talked about Jace. Here's a problem. We haven't really talked about Jace young all that much being a first round picks, but at, we, Jace young kind of caught a stray on the podcast from you last week. And he's, he's actually kind of tearing it up right now. So I think, I think you owe Jason. Uh, I apologize. I'll go see you in Erie, which I think is where he'll be uh, heading here pretty soon. Uh, he should, yeah, he should probably be there soon. And sure. you know, also another benefit for this draft, as I've said, is that you can draft an outfielder and then you just got to figure out which outfield spot as opposed to whether he's a third baseman or not. So that would be fun. Uh, well, I think p- players should play all <laughs> eight thousand positions, you know, so you have options, right? Uh, get Kerry Carpenter to first base, first baseman's mitt, please. Uh, please, please, the one guy who doesn't play any other positions. <laughs> that will continue to be a sore spot for us until it is rectified in some way. Anyway, uh, I, but I just think this is going to be a little telling about like where scott harris actually feels this roster is at i think i think we'll get a decent indication we, we, we probably should all pray that the the nationals take uh paul Skeens. i think if the tigers had him like you could feel really really good about it he's the best pitching prospect that's come out of the draft in a long time but i just don't want to do the whole pitching oh, debate you know it's gonna be so i just rough. don't want to do it's it it's gonna be so rough <laughs> I, I was just thinking that because that's what i was mentioning earlier is like if they take yeah. him we might just have to have 15 minutes of uh, 
I just I just hope he goes two so the Tigers don't even have to make that call. Don't even have to worry about it. So you don't have to pass on the best pitching prospect. Right, that's right. That's another thing too. It's like you're gonna let pass failures like affect you going forward. Yeah, that's generally speaking not the right thing to do. But uh, that'll give me a. So if he's there, to, I'm to your be, point, I'm man, just... Clark and Jenkins. It sounds like they've got a little more speed. Like they're younger. It's kind of hard to know how much power potential they'll really come into. I think that's one thing you like about Langford. Like you know, there's going to be some power there, but just from the far outside, I've never seen these kids in person. Not even really watched a lot of the high school kids. I have not watched film on. Like they sound like pretty intriguing players for sure. So it's it's one where this is why you still have scouts even in today's game. I think this is one where you you really got to trust your scouts and see what they're saying about these kids and how how much faith you actually have. Per Jim Bowden, colleague of yours, he has the tools for White Langford. Hit 60, power 60, run 55, arm 55, field 50. I mean, it seems, <laughs> seems like a guy worth taking at three. Pretty good. But, but yeah, you fall in love with these high school guys. I mean, well. I think Langford is for some reason just kind of being like marketed as like the most boring of maybe these five, but. Boring is not a bad thing when your tools are, you know, 60 across the board. Like, that that's a very good way to be boring, you know? Yeah, I wonder if, what was it, Henry Davis a couple years ago? Are we going to get a Henry Davis situation where, like... You know, and that's also possible. Pittsburgh? We, that's actually not even being talked about enough. Pirates are, yeah, have that pick again. It it could happen. Yeah, that would, that would and then, then that, everything kind of gets thrown for a loop. I think this is a lot better draft than that, so maybe that makes it less likely, but... Weird things happen in the Major League Baseball draft. Yeah, for sure. I and mean, it's very underrated. Very underrated, like, viewing experience slash, like, you know, drama and all that stuff. Like, so, yeah, But that's one reason it's not a better viewing experience besides the whole minor league things. Like, the, the best player doesn't even always go number <laughs> one. <laughs> yeah, any chance the Spurs pass on Wimbenyama? Uh... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, probably not. Well, would this even... Okay, so... Let's go back to the skis thing for a second. Would this have been a discussion seven years ago? Not even for the like for him to go number one. Let's say seven years ago would would we have been like, or is Cruz just that good that he would have gone above Steven Strasburg? Like, would Bryce Harper have gone above Steven Strasburg? I think like if they were in the same draft, you know what I mean? Like, definitely would have had a shot. Yeah, and and you know Harper was a basically he was 18, you know, he went to the junior college or whatever, you know, whereas Cruz has played in the SEC. I think, I think these guys are definitely both like one, one caliber. Um, tough to pick one over the other, you know, I would, I would personally probably always go Cruz just so I would feel a little safer with the hitter. The, the, the important thing, like when everybody's kind of forming their opinion about whether, you know, to take outfielder pitcher or whatever, or in this, in this case, skis, if the history with the Tigers rebuild did not exist, would you be pissed if they took him? That's the kind of the question that we all. Yeah, I think they would be less pissed. I would say. Yeah, no, I think there'd be less blowback. Absolutely. Um, I would say, like, we don't yet know how Scott Harris drafts or, or Rob Metzler, you know. Tampa always did things a little bit outside the box, but Scott Harris was part of building up. The Cubs, I don't know how involved he was in the amateur draft, but the Cubs famously 
spent their first round picks, their big their big draft picks on hitting. And that philosophy worked better than the Tigers spending their big draft picks on pitching. Exactly. And all right, so let's go back to a couple other things in the mailbag. Like I got another guy that we ha- haven't talked a lot about. It's kind of been passing mention. The Wilmer Flores thing is like as Not he was in the Futures game last year, and this was a hey, you know, you need a guy in July. We might be looking, you know, Wilmer Flores might be on that short list, you know, and it just hasn't really gone there. I don't, you haven't made any minor league trips yet this season, Cody. So obviously, you haven't, no. you don't have any like eyeballs in there. But like, again, if we're just gonna talk about concern levels, and you redid minor league infrastructure and development infrastructure and you have your best pitching prospects yeah and your your pitching development is supposed to be amazing now because you have fetter and you have gabe rebus and you have and, and they have had like a lot of success in pitching development already but here's this guy who's supposed to be kind of your horse and the thing i keep hearing is like his stuff has just not been as good and that's really not something you want to hear about a young prospect, a guy like Wilmer Flores, who really hasn't pitched at a high level that much. In theory, his stuff should only be getting better. Now, it sounds like it's kind of a mechanical issue, which means it can be corrected. I think his fastball velo has already been ticking back up a little bit more his last few outings. Um, but the command hasn't been there. The walks are up for the, you know, his first several, more than several starts. The fastball velocity was more in the low 90s. And this is a guy who I always just wasn't sure, you know, if he if he was a three pitch guy. Um, that was my bigger concern with him, more than the stuff like the fastball, the slider, and now it's more. Now we're back to like, okay, well, how good even is the stuff? But you know, with the two pitches that that are for sure things. Yeah, it's just another sort of like. It's it's another situation with the team this year where you were like excited for the possibilities and it's yeah. actually gone in another direction. Uh, I did I did think this question in the mailbag was was interesting in the sense that like you and I have both said laying fully, you're not really seeking out moving those guys. Uh, I think just generally speaking, when the team is at the status that it is, you're taking phone calls on everybody except. Riley Green, you know, and I got to thinking because they probably the Tigers probably set a record this week for or the past couple of weeks for being no hit into the sixth inning or whatever. Uh, <laughs> how bad can the hitting get before you think, man, should I just trade uh, like my prime bullpen? Is there a point for you, Cody, there that like the offense could get so bad that you're like, all right, maybe I do have to do this with Alex Lane and or Jason Foley. Is there a point? Yeah, I, I feel like in the mailbag, I kind of talked to myself through my thought process and went from being like, no, to maybe, to back to like, no. Like, no, like, you don't trade these young, controllable guys. I think the more I've thought about it, I'm still in the camp, no. With the caveat, man, I hope, I hope Scott Harris is smarter than I am like he's supposed to be because I don't know where you're going to find these hitters. We, we can talk about the free agent well, yeah, class. Yeah, let's do it now. There's just want. not a, it's, that's, it's that's, like, that plays into the length for a conversation for me too because I know because yeah, like it's not it's not very good, man. Like I, you're not you know 
Dang, Dickerson came in and asked that today, like half jokingly, but he's like, who are, who are the Tigers going to get in free agency next year that turns around the franchise? I was like, well, Shohei Otani's not coming here. Like, let's not even like go down that rabbit hole. And the rest of the free agent class is just pretty underwhelming. Like, you know, let's say even if the Tigers do want to spin big because Miggy's off the books and go pretty hard, well, like, I mean, Matt Chapman, like, he's good. It's not great. Like, like, like his glove is his best tool. Outfield, man, Harrison Bader, Cody Bellinger. Like, there's no one in this class that I'm getting juiced about. There's some definitely ways you can go out and upgrade the team. Um, but I don't know that, like, the, the your new franchise player is going to be acquired. There's a lot of guys in, in the upcoming free agency class that are under the category of overpay for mediocre, for mediocrity. Yeah. And Teoscar Hernandez, I think, is a very good player, would be a very nice fit on this team. Actually, it's looking right like right now the Mariners gave up too much when they when they traded for him this past <laughs> offseason, you know? So, yeah, I mean, it's... It's not ideal, but that's the thing. That, that this is why I'm still in the still in the no camp on trading Lang and Foley. Um, I I guess again with the caveat, I, you don't know what the offers are, but you know, I think maybe the last thing this team needs is more so-so hitting prospects. Like the last thing you need is like more Andre Lipschitz guys, where it's like you're trying to develop them and you think maybe they're good. They're they're just kind of not. Like, how confident are you that they're going to be major league regulars on a winning team? Like, these, the, uh, I'm kind of tired of these tweener replaceable guys. If you don't feel confident you're getting something better than that, you know, maybe you should stop wasting your time. And especially when we we're talking about pieces that have already proven to be successful at the major league level. And that's another thing with the Diamondbacks. Like, the Diamondbacks didn't do this full-scale rebuild. They were bad. They had a couple lean years, but even in those lean years, they could have traded Cattell Marte. They didn't. They extended him. Uh, Christian Walker was not, like, amazing. He's pretty good first, you know, hitting first baseman. Probably could have done something with him. They didn't. They kept him. Like, they they kept the few pieces they did have, um, and it's it happens now. Like, things are coinciding very nicely where they have a good blend of a few established veterans and a lot of young talent that's actually playing well okay so that's the thing too because obviously the tigers aren't in a situation where like a total tear down rebuild is a needed or b feasible or would remotely right. be uh understood by the fan base uh so you're not in that situation like as terrible as it is to watch some of this stuff you're not in a situation that you were like a handful of years ago when you took Casey Mize on one overall. Like you're not in that situation. You have more talent than that. You have more opportunities to acquire talent than that, right? So they could now, even though they're, you know, this thing's been going on for years longer. They could now do the Diamondbacks blueprint, like that is available to them, mm-hmm. right? Uh, part of it is like we talk for like an hour. Uh, uh, you know, a week or whatever, you know, give or take about what do they do? What should they do? Like blah, blah, blah. You know, you just need Torkelson to play better. You need Baez to play better. And then all of a sudden, like the guys that you think, the players that you think they can be, and you supplement with a couple pieces and you have yourself a pretty good baseball team. 
It's actually quite simple, but very difficult. But I don't think Javi Baez is ever going to play that much better. Probably better than he's playing right now. But Javi Baez is Javi Baez. You can still I, work I around, still but, know but, what to but, think about Torque. The around. longer this goes on with Torque, man, the harder it is for me to be like very confident that like there there's a whole lot more in there. There might be. I hope there is. I like Torque, but you know, with every day that goes by, it's like, all right, we're waiting. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and <sighs> I'll say this: I, I I heard from a scout this past week. Um, saw Torque in in West Michigan and wrote a bunch of question marks on their report saying why is he missing so many middle middle pitches why is he not crushing this ball that was when torque was in west michigan and that has proved to be a pretty prescient scouting report that not a lot of other scouts picked up on at the time well i mean nobody like wanted to acknowledge that i think for a while because you just kind of like you know because of all the complications that came with the start of his pro career and and he did enough to kind of move up that you just kind of you just kind of yeah. like led to believe that it was going to be okay i did want to touch on this before we get out of here uh i did love thaddeus a mr thaddeus a shout out to you for bringing up roberto compost i haven't thought about i haven't I, I, we haven't talked about him in a while because you know there's not much to talk about but hey that <laughs> that's a guy in three years if he turns out to be decent you finally had yourself an international signee that you spent a little bit of money on that be that had a positive war. He could get rid of the Gregory Soto thing, you know? So, uh, shout out. You had some nice words to say about him. Yeah, I was probably a little more positive in writing than I would be on the podcast. Said <laughs> <laughs> some nice things, man. I don't, I don't, he's not one of these sure thing guys you're looking for. He's the ultimate example of like, well, maybe like every third day he does something good or, or the dreaded, well, his exit velocities are good, but his strike zone judgment is terrible, you know. He's 19, got a long way to go. I I don't think anyone should be painting Roberto Campos as a as a messiah for the Tigers. Yeah, and neither one. Well, I say if he becomes an everyday regular, like decent, that would be very good. Yeah, be nice. And I would not say I'm very. Go look at Fang Fangraphs prospect rankings are very good because they'll give you their future values and when you see like 40 next to these guys names you get like upset you're like 40 what they're going to be better than that but usually they are like 40 future value of 40 is like oh they'll play in the major leagues and not do a lot more than that and i don't even know if they probably have campos around around 40 well i believe it was baseball america that had colt keith at like number three or not sorry number number three like number 30 or something like that on there updated prospect rankings and uh again if you're just looking for something let me tell you who i am hype about Cole keith yeah. i think he's a i think he's a, a freaking legit impact bat i'm not real sure where he's <laughs> gonna play in the field but i think he's a dude well can uh roberto campos 40 plus with a with a with a plus sign which is the same as justin henry malloy which doesn't get you as hype about justin henry well, Malloy, I was going to say, I look forward to the uh, the switcheroos that happened with Colt Keith and uh, and Malloy with out left field and third base. They're just going to, like, switch in the middle of the games, you know, when uh, uh, Colt inevitably gets up to uh, Toledo. I assume. 
I assume he's going to get called up to Toledo. Um, you know, slow playing it. I guess that just I, don't okay, really know I guess what that maybe means. they're back to trying to slow play it. But uh, I don't think Colt Keith has anything left to prove in the year. No, I would agree. Uh, might as well get him. I don't know. Reward guys for doing well, and even if it's even if like you feel like he's gonna get more opportunities or higher caliber, like high end caliber pitching in Double A as opposed to Triple A, which is a lot of times the case. Uh, but I still like the the act of like promoting guys who have earned it. Uh, all right, Cody. Well, this we'll see what next week brings us. But that's about that's about all we have for uh, for this week. Anything else you wanted to get into before we jet out of here? No, I feel like we covered a lot. That was another podcast that was just as like sprawling and disjointed as the Detroit Tigers. So I, I think our work is a reflection of of our subject <laughs> matter quite often. And. Uh, and... <laughs> We, we there's only so much we can do uh all right you can follow cody on twitter at cody stavenhagen i'm at kieran underscore steckley the pod page is at turn corner pod follow us on apple and spotify as well five star review if you feel so inclined youtube at turning the corner podcast as well I want to thank everybody for subscribing to the athletics so you can read all of cody's great work including sometime in the future a story about a rebuild that was successful in Detroit, we'll call that fan fiction, but it's real for somebody else. And uh, looking forward to reading that and all your other great work, Cody. So for Cody Stavenhagen, I am Kieran Steckley. Everybody have a great week. 